Welcome to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every single episode of the hit 90s TV series, Melrose Place. I'm Jenny Hill. And I am Dan Hill. Let's get started. Season three, episode three, In-Laws and Outlaws, air date September 26th, 1994. And we open this episode with Jake and Brittany, his, as Dan likes to refer to her as swim fan. Slash the thought. (laughs) Sleeping in a bed in the boat and um, she wakes up and then she starts putting the moves on Jake. Jake's all booed up with her now. You saved my life and I've been trying to repay you ever since. And she's on top of Jake, kissing him. She's like licking his belly button. <laughs> yeah. That is not something that I'm like, ooh, I want, I want that to happen. You know, I don't, ugh. Like, it's weird. Yes. And is this the first for Melrose Place? Correct us if we're wrong, but I don't ever remember it coming up on the screen presented in Dolby Digital. Ooh, I don't know. Dolby Surround. I never noticed that shit before. I don't remember, but maybe. Maybe it's the first to kind of like look through another stratosphere. Let us know. But she's like, she's in his flannel from the night before. Like, it it would appear they're together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're like dating. Now, Jake kind of rebuffs these advances and he's like, these last few days have been great, but it's just not good timing, Brittany. So she leaves to go get them some, maybe like lunch or something. And as she's walking out, she meets up with Palmer again. So Palmer wants to know, when is he going to get that info about Jake? And Brittany tells Palmer that she feels that she's overstayed her welcome but she's trying to continue to keep him entertained she says that palmer is wrong about jake and he's not so easily manipulated but she is having a nice time trying to manipulate him and for someone who fled the country in fear of being seen or arrested (laughs) palmer is in straight up like he basically parked next to the pretty lady to speak with Brittany He's about very this. brazen about just kind of being back in the area. He does not care. Yeah. And what? So does Jake... Jake just owns the pretty lady now. No, he doesn't own it. He runs it. But he like lives there. He splits he, time. He kind of like... He has dual residence. I mean, if you <laughs> are allowing somebody else to live on the boat, you've got to really have a lot of authority over that boat (laughs) i don't remember the last time he was at melrose place yeah he's there a lot or the last time we saw him in his apartment he has dual residence so that's our cold open we then go into our opening credits and then after which we see a skyline of downtown la and we go to sydney who is the song 
the song. Oh, I'm sorry. Dad, you wrote down the lyrics? Yeah, the song at the beginning. It's really upbeat. I can't remember it, though. But I wrote some words down. This is love. Can you hear me? Are you flying in the rain while, <laughs> while you're damn insane? <laughs> I need you. Need you now. Are you somewhere around? <laughs> Wow. Where are they getting these songs? What a what a lyricist. You know, I really want to know when they lost all the rights to all of the original songs, like whose job was it to select the songs for the DVD box set and any episodes released further? I think like, I think who did just, that? I don't know. <laughs> I think they just had like, you know, like when you were a kid, you'd watch like the balls in the lottery. Oh, yeah. And, like how they would just like float around in the bin. Yeah. And someone would just boop, pop one up. Sure. They do that with the words of the songs. <laughs> that's probably a really. Um, and just words yeah, pop that's, up. That's and they're really like, good. <laughs> Flying in the rain while you're damn insane. <laughs> Okie doke. Okay, so we're at the mental institution where Sydney is sitting with her therapist and she's trying to read ink blots. Right. Uh, these are called Rorschach tests. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, my mom's a psychologist. Oh, what can you glean from them, Dan? Uh, so, Ror- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Rorschach tests are, um, they are ink blots. You're right, Jenny. But, um, it's a it's a it's a measurable um test you would show someone to gain um basically information about like their life or like how they interpret the the pictures like they're so they're so vague that you can sort of create whatever you'd like sure by and project s- that onto the ink blot and then that right. gives the person conducting the test kind of like a Inside, inside like, into oh. what's going on in your brain. So, like, if every ink blot is like, "That's a picture of my dad," <laughs> <laughs> that's another picture of my dad on the toilet. <laughs> then you're like, "Okay, Ooh, you check daddy the issues. you check the dad box on that one." So, I think- that's a picture of a hot dog. <laughs> Sydney is hip to the jive. She has an understanding of how these tests work. And every inkblot, she says, looks like an angel. Right. And then the the doctor's like, Sydney, the last three looked like an angel. Come on, what do you see? And she's like, I don't know, a sunset, flowers, whatever you want me to say to get out of this place because I'm not crazy, yeah. FYI. She's above it. She's totally above it. She she looks great. She looks great in... Uh, she really does. The Looney, I think that Looney like, Bin looks good. On her. I think they darkened her hair a little bit. Mm. I see like a deeper red in yeah. her hair than previous episodes. And she says, like, what's the matter, doctor? Not scoring big on your loony curve. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor starts to make some notes and she's like, What lies are you writing about me now? And she snatches the notepad away from the doctor, which prompts the doctor, of course, to call him back up from the orderlies. Yeah. And then like she gets restrained. And he's like, if you do that shit again, you're getting strapped up when you come see me. 20 milligrams of volume for this one. And then, of course, every scene that Sydney is in the mental institution ends with her being dragged away by an orderly and her Fighting. screaming, help me. I'm, I'm not crazy. Please, somebody help. And what do you expect in there? Like yelling, I'm not crazy. Who 
who's going to be help like, you? oh, seems like someone isn't crazy. Let me go help him. Oh, I, let me actually, get him out of here. Here you go. You can go ahead, Sydney. You're good to go home. Guys, I'm not crazy. So next scene, we go to Kimberly, who is interrupting Michael with Dr. Lewis. And they're going over Michael's brain scans. And he's just like, well, it's confirmed. Nothing is wrong with Michael's brain. Yep, he's good. So it looks like he'll probably start regaining some of his memory soon. And Kimberly's like, uh, excuse me? Uh, what? This doctor? isn't permanent? Um, and <laughs> That wasn't the plan. Uh, and the doctor says, Michael, well, can you go ahead outside? I'd like to talk to Kimberly alone. And then the doctor tells Kimberly that she needs to start bringing Michael to places that he might recognize, start playing music he used to like, or getting him like foods he used to like to eat to try to trigger some memories. Right. And... And then Kimberly takes that information and then leaves the room and immediately tells Michael, I'm putting you in for a transfer. You need to get away from everything. We need to start over fresh somewhere new. And I fucking push over Michael. I hate him. He's just like, "Hmm, okay, that sounds great. He's a shell of himself. He only remembers how to be a doctor. It's so frustrating. That's it. So frustrating. (laughs) That the injury only. And on that note, I was telling you about this the other day, Jenny. But like, I'm a little upset. Like, the continuity of car accidents is no good. Because I don't believe for a second that Michael can get in a car accident with the seat, in a seatbelt, and almost die and be paralyzed for i guess like months right and then he gets hit by a car not in a car at like 40 miles an hour and he just only has memory loss that he'll regain he didn't break any bones dan okay i will say this again to you, need you to hurt you already had this conversation he should have hurt his legs man he when he was in the car accident while he was driving he flipped that car down like that was a really bad accident seat belt doesn't matter doesn't matter if like of he course, didn't hit anything Damn. he went off a bank and yeah he flipped and it into fell the on air, top and then he landed upside down Maybe a lot of people flip their cars and walk away Okay, well, it's I, when you collide. I think this is plausible. I because really, we don't we didn't see the hit. I mean, Kimberly could have just like clipped him, and that may have caused him to like fly off and hit his head, and only his head. I I buy it. And I then he walks. I know he you walks away with gauze on his head, gauze on his head, and on his own. There's really not strength. much you can do for a temporary brain injury. <laughs> he should. He should be back in the wheelchair, like okay. crippled again. Well, we don't want to play I, out that storyline yeah, again. I get why they can't do it again, but yeah. still, so I was a little upset. So we now head over to Jane Mancini Designs, Designs, <laughs> where she's talking with her retailer friend. God, I hate him. <laughs> I don't even know his name. I don't want to know. What his is name. his name? I I always call him retailer friend because that's what you've been calling him. I think it's Chris. So we learn that the retailer friend's boss is going to cancel the deal with all of the department stores unless Michael signs the papers to basically like allow them to buy out part of Jay Mancini Designs. Right. It's Chris Marchetti. Okay. Good to know. 
Chris Marchetti. Yeah, and okay. And he he he's he's really stressing like, hey, my people, we gotta ball out if we can't get that sick. Right. And then and he's like, but that doesn't mean that I don't wanna still be around. Because I still want to be your boyfriend, even if this totally lucrative deal that started our relationship is going to fall through. And then Jane's like, cool with this. She's like, oh, that's great. And then he says, "She's like, I understand. And then he's like, what's the policy of kissing in the workplace? And she's like, very progressive. And then they just start making out in front of all, all her boys. I don't know why he asked anymore. He already made out in front of her dad. <laughs> And what's up with him? Every scene he's in, he's always like, oh, is it okay if we hook up at work? <laughs> like, Maybe he has like a fantasy, like a, a work hookup fantasy. Three times at Mancini Designs, yeah. they're making out. Yeah. I also have a note that Jane's hair looks really good. She looks great. I love, like, her, I really liked her hair short, but now it's kind of like growing out and it's almost to her shoulders. I'm down. She looks so good. Love me some Jane. Jane is like... Jane's the best. She really is so pretty. It's like crazy. Jane's Jane's my favorite. There, seriously, Jane has done no wrong to anybody through two seasons. Yeah, she's a she's a saint. She's genuine. She's an angel. You talk about an angel. It's Jane. The only bad thing that she ever did was take her ring off at shooters and lose it. And was that really that bad in comparison? Not that bad. No. All right. So next up, we're back at D and D. We're in oh, Amanda's God. office, and there's a knock on the door, and it's Allison. Allison's back to work, and she's like, oh, hi, Amanda, I'm back. Everything's fine. Thank you so much for helping me. And she came right from the airport. Yeah. She went to work right from the airport. Fuck Think that about noise. that, guys. F that. I need no. A, I need a day. No one would ever do that. Guys, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to let you in on my personal life here for a second. It took me 30 years, but I now... No, actually, it took me like 34 years. But I know now, if you go on vacation and you come back, the, di- the, the day you get back, do not go back to work the next day. Take one more day and sort your shit out. Then go back to work. So you get home. Dan, not everybody has the luxury of like 30 days off. I'm telling you, I don't have have 30 days days off. off. I'm saying if you can, if you can place your vacation around a holiday or something, like plan for a day at home. It, it, It makes all the difference. Don't just go straight back to work. So... Allison tells Amanda that she feels so much better that everything is now out in the open. She feels vulnerable, but she feels better. And she's ready to kind of get into the next chapter of her life. And thank you so much for the great advice, Amanda. I actually, for once, it was actually good advice. And then Amanda's backdoor <laughs> bitch comment. God damn it, Amanda. She, like uh, Allison's about to go in on like what happened at home. Well, at at her at on Elm Street and what's Amanda say? I'm sure your shrink will be fascinated with all the details. On a selfish level, I'm glad to have you back and up and running. Yeah. <laughs> up and up and functioning again. Yeah. What is she a fucking machine? Have a goddamn heart. Give her a hug for oh crying my out loud. God. It's 94. Like you could still I mean, today if someone came back 
and you knew the circumstance, like my dad freaking hurt me physically and mentally, like y'all can hug. I mean, she was by your side when you had a miscarriage at work. You could, y'all can hug at least. Not in Amanda's world, Dan. No, definitely not. So Amanda really lives to just shock everybody and make sure that they're uncomfortable at all times. So she goes right into that by taking Allison by the hand and leading her over to a place where they can sit down. And she lets Allison know about the Billy situation. He is now working at D&D. Dear God. And she was like, yep, Billy went out on a limb. He really risked it all. And um, we rewarded him with a senior copywriting job. And Amanda also says, the buzz on him is incredible. Now you two can be together 24 hours a day. And Allison's face says it all. Her face looks like it's saying, fuck! (laughs) And she says, oh, will you please excuse me? And then... I'm sorry, babe. But she says, wait a second. Billy is working here at D&D? What the... F- Dude, I would freak out. Yeah. And she kind of does. She walks over to her desk and conveniently, Billy's desk is right next to hers. We both called it. Yep. Knew that was going to be the case. And so they kind of get into it right there about like... Of course, Allison goes to Billy. How could you do this to me? You you didn't even ask me, didn't even talk to me about before you accepted this job. And then Billy is really defensive and saying, hey, Amanda brought it to me to be like, if I helped win the business with Escapade, that you would be credited with the account. So I mm. did it for you. Yeah. And they're making a scene. And I just put it together. It makes sense. That's why they had, that's why Allison had to say she came straight from the airport. Because otherwise she would have had to go home and would have known that Billy works at D&D. How would she know that by going home? Well, I don't know. They would, it, it's an excuse to be like, oh, they haven't talked since she left. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So they're getting heated and she's like, this is so awkward. Will you please keep it down? And Billy does the move that everybody does in this area of D&D. It's like right by Allison's and Amanda's old desk. People get crazy. <laughs> everyone then- everyone who works in that area has to like be so numb to any like I know. craziness. They, because, probably, oh God. Or like give me the popcorn. What's going on this week? Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> This and, again? And Is so, Amanda going to take him into the room and fuck him? <laughs> and um, Billy starts just laying into Allison and just saying, no, I'm not going to keep it down. From now on, I got to look out for number one. I've got problems too. And you know what I think? They all seem to be the root cause. Of, the root cause of them is you. Ouch. How can you say that, man? And and it's and so, especially considering everything Allison has gone through. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. He's like, I'm sorry about everything and all, but are you kidding me? Come on, Billy. Let's go to the loony bin. Sydney sneaks out of like the the TV time area, <laughs> where like a little recess for all the nutsos. <laughs> And um, I don't know how she gets a quarter, but she sneaks around the corner to find a very conveniently placed uh, telephone, payphone, and uh, she makes a call, and I called it. You called it, Dan. I was like, she's calling Matt, faux show. And it was him. 
And I should have thought of this, but this is a 90s moment like a motherfucker because she knows Matt's number by heart. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> she knows Matt's number by heart, calls him, and um, then Matt picks up and he's like, hello? Sydney's <laughs> just like, Matt, you got to help me. I'm not crazy. I'm here at the nut, nut and house. And he's like, what? Because remember, he has no idea like where she is or what she's doing. He's like... You're in the mental hospital? What? Like, and she's where? like, it's all Kimberly. It's not me. She basically has about 15 seconds to get this message out to him before an orderly comes and drags her away. And yeah. she's like, help! Then no! or- orderly, a.k.a. security, comes. Yeah. They need to hire the orderlies at the strip joint she worked at yeah because they're on point really use them there they're on point they would never let anyone on the stage never we're at allison and billy's apartment and allison's sitting up in bed billy comes into her room and they try to kind of patch things up from the day previously and allison gives him a recap of what happened when he when she went home and she says, I just want to put everything behind me and get on with my life. Yeah. Why don't you put those dog PJs behind you? <laughs> <laughs> Good God, man. Your PJs are barking. So, Billy, like, it seems like, okay, they might be, like, patching things up. They might be able to get past this and kind of go on with life as usual. Billy puts his hand on her shoulder, which, if that's supposed to be, like, putting the moves on you, Billy... Mm. Really bad move, Billy. What is up with that? And then she just picks up Billy's hand and takes it off of her shoulder. Ouch. Nothing says I'm over. Like, please don't touch me. (laughs) Like, you can't even (laughs) touch my shoulder. Yeah. Get off of me. Um, Yeah. And just says, good night, Billy. And he's like, yeah, good night. And he walks out. Say ya. (laughs) And they sleep alone. Say ya. Now we're at Joe's, and finally we've got a baby bump. Yeah, Joe is visibly pregnant, and she's rocking those. She's overalls. glowing. She, she looks, looks she great. She looks great. She really does. Her hair looks great. Daphne, please come on the podcast. Um, we've got the bump. She's rocking these these overalls that are shorts, and um, there's a knock on her door, and. She opens it and it's like the Adams family creepiness. What? Yeah, she's she's got this like doily thing spilling out of her. That's one of my nineties. Whack dress. Ugh. And it's then, an elderly couple that it's kind of like Joe's. Like, can I help you? What? They look like ghosts. <laughs> they do look like from another time and not the nineties. Yeah, like, like, they look like they're from like the forties. Like, like if this was in like a couple years later when Sixth Sense came out. <laughs> Like, they would be dead. dead people. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, they were ghosts the whole time. (laughs) Maybe they are ghosts. Who knows? The writers at Melrose Place do throw us some curveballs every once in a while. Maybe they've got a a baby with bleeding eyes at home. (laughs) So we learn that this couple is actually Reed's parents. Dun, dun, dun. Now... Of course, Joe's a little taken aback by this. And she's like, "Um, what can I do for you? Well, we wanted to call, but you're not listed. We just wanted to stop by because we went to visit Reed's grave. And we just don't have any photos of him or nothing from him in his adult life. And we just want to know if you have any memento, anything from him that we could have. Fuck that shit. Fuck that. 
hundred all together, hundred percent. You know why I don't like this storyline? Is because no one went to Reed's grave. Remember? Right? Pauper's grave. Yeah. <laughs> remember that shit? Of course I remember. He had a pauper's grave. The state buried him. No one gave a fuck about Reed. Where were you guys? Yeah, mom and dad. Where the hell were you, mom and dad? Your son had a pauper's grave and nothing. So they found Joe's address through all of the court papers that they have filed on their son. And of course, Joe is a good person. She's like, all right, well, maybe I can look through my stuff, see if I have anything. And then his parents actually acknowledge we know this is awkward for everybody. We prayed about it, and we know that this isn't our fault. Reed, like, he's got to be responsible for the decisions that he made, and we're so sorry that he put you through everything that he did. And as they're leaving, they say, I wouldn't let them in the house. I wouldn't either. This would have been at the front door. Yeah, and, like, crack, <laughs> like, looking through, like, the chain, like, what can yeah. I do for you? So Joe is kind of like, okay, well, I'll look. I'll see what I have. And then they tell her that they're staying at a nearby hotel. But before they leave, you do see Reed's mother's eyes kind of track down to her stomach. Oh, really? And Yeah, yeah, that's something that I did see. And she kind of, like gazes there at her stomach for a couple of seconds and then they're like okay dear well please stop by our hotel we'd love to see you again if you do find anything from reed we'd love to have that and they leave they're creepy and not only do they leave they just disappear (laughs) into thin air uh let's go to jane's place she uh she's talking to matt on the phone is this on this is a phone conversation? No, no, he's there. No, he's there. He's visiting right. Jane at her apartment. And he is actually telling Jane that he believes Sydney. He thinks that maybe Kimberly had something to do with the hit and run and that she's framing Sydney. Right. Jane isn't buying it because, you know, we all know Jane's history with Sydney. Yeah, she's this like, is whatever. This is old song and dance. She's like, I've been through this a million times. I had her committed. It was all Sydney. I, like, I'm not going to believe you. And then she says, well, I'm actually going to visit Michael at the hospital now. Dude, and I called this shit in my predictions, too, that Matt was going to turn into, like, private eye detective. You did. And start to try to uncover shit. You did. And there, she was actually going to visit Michael. She didn't say the hospital, so sorry about that. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go visit Michael, and then Matt, he says, Jane, he's not going to know who you are. Yeah, and Jane's like, what? It's that bad? Like, she doesn't know the severity. So She's like, all right, Matt, come with me. Yeah, Matt does say, I'll go with you. We can go to the beach house together and then see about signing the papers with Michael. And and he has a funny line, too. He's like, I can introduce you to your (laughs) (laughs) ex-husband. So next up, we are with Joe again, who did manage to find a photo of Reed that she has so kindly delivered to Reed's parents at their hotel. In this hotel again is beat street this is like super eight well you know reed did have a pauper's grave pauper's grave maybe they didn't have (laughs) the money to pay for the funeral and maybe they don't have a lot so they've got to stay in like the mom and pop motel down the street maybe yeah you know if they went to the police to ask for mementos for reed that person would say oh i gave them to his sister Because remember, they lied? Yeah. And then they'll be like, wait a second. 
He doesn't have a sister. This is bullshit. So somehow the conversation goes into the pregnancy. The mother asked Joe, how far along are you? And she says, I'm about six months. So you can see like the wheels turning in the heads. It's, does that like check out for the time that Reed died? Yeah. It, I think nothing's probably weirder for uh, an expecting mom than oh, to God. like see somebody's wheels turn into like, when did you fuck? Oh my God, Dan. <laughs> you actually were talking about Just this the other to day it too. Out. What? Oh yeah. Oh, like if, if I see two people and one person's pregnant, I'm like, I immediately imagine them having sex. See, when you said that to me, I like almost, what? But it's like. I never think about I that. I don't imagine it for long. It's just like an instance. Like it's an acknowledgement. Like it's just they a had flash. Sex. Yeah. It's like they fucked and made that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, they did it. And then I just picture it for like a, f- like. Like not even a quarter of a second, but like I picture them doing it. Anybody, everybody. Nobody is safe. (laughs) Nobody is safe. You're walking around with a kid and your significant other. I've pictured you. Oh, please stop doing it. I don't even know why I brought that up. Call me crazy. Um, So anyway, um, they're trying to do the math. Like, oh, is this? And then the the mother actually has the audacity to say. Is that my son's? And Joe is like, Oh, yeah, I love uh, this line. No, this baby is mine. Yeah, it's bitch. It's not your son's. It's mine. I'm cooking this. And bread. then, of course, they backtrack a little bit, and the mother is like, Oh, I meant, is my son the father? Yeah, they're almost salivating at this point. It's like, very. Who's kid is it? <laughs> Who is and, it? you know, I kind of. I, I wish Joe was a little bit more guarded, even if these people seem nice and like they're not trying to be harmful to you. It's like you don't owe them anything. You don't even have to acknowledge you're pregnant. You can say, I ate a real big burrito last night. And they're saying all the right stuff. They're like, we're just hoping um, that if it if it was happened to be reads, then we could turn grief into joy of a grandchild. Right. And. Joe does admit, yes, this child was conceived with Reed. So they are very relieved to hear this. But she's They're not excited. She's not, and she's not sure what kind of role they'll play in the baby's life, which and is fair. The mother is even like, oh, Joe, God bless you for sharing this with us. You are so smart and so strong. I can only hope that that baby is going to take after you. Please. Right. So they they leave and they say, please, Joe, you have our address. We would love to keep in touch. We really want to know what's going on with this baby. You always have a friend in us. So, you know, Joe leaves and I'm sure she kind of feels a little weird about having this like possible connection to Reed's parents. But yeah, and she's what- a good person. She's probably thinking this is their grandchild. I should do the right thing and allow them to see the child, send photos of the child, whatever. Hell no. You see how Reed turned out? They made that. They made Reed the monster that he was. You want them rearing your child's life? Hell no. You could see my kid behind glass. (laughs) 
<laughs> like a caged animal yeah. because that's how I keep my kids. I'll send you a 30 second Instagram video. That's about it. A Snapchat that yeah. deletes. I'll send you a snap. <laughs> so, um, With next. The dog filter. <laughs> next scene, we have Matt and Jane, and they're going to visit Michael at the beach house. And somebody knocks for once. Can you believe it? They don't just barge right in. Like, hello? Is anybody here? So, Michael answers and he's just playing this like whole like oh hi i'm a big dumb idiot i have no idea who you are kimberly said don't answer the door when she's not here line and line of the episode jane just barges in she's like hi michael i'm jane i was your wife (laughs) now it's so funny to see michael's reaction to this because he is just dumbfounded like they could (gasps) have they could have used that like the cartoon uh, sound effects that's like (laughs) (laughs) that would be more believable than like Michael's actual reaction so Jane walks in and he's just following her with his eyes like I was married to that oh my gosh what did I do to mess things up and really to her credit Jane is looking awesome she's flawless she looks gorgeous flawless honey looking like a gem and um and then we just we cut away from them and we go to D and D. And okay, why would Escapade continue this deal knowing that Billy flubbed it? Well, number one, Dan, they probably don't know that Billy works at D and D. Well, I'm just saying, like they agreed, like Escapade. Without getting too much into it, Escapade agreed to have D and D do their advertising, right? Yes. And Nancy, or is it Lucy? Nancy. It's Nancy. Nancy, after agreeing to the deal, figures out because Amanda told her that Billy was the integral part of it. Mm -hmm. So she fires him Mm -hmm. for cooking in too many kitchens. Why wouldn't you just call D&D back and be like, hey, your pitch was so great because you you fucking snaked one of our guys. Fuck you guys. I think they're We're trying out. to put it all on Billy to say he was the turncoat. He was the person that gave inside information. And you can't really blame D&D for doing what they got to do to get the info. If anything, if you look at it from that angle, they can probably rest, be assured that D&D is going to do what they have to do in order to get the job done to the best of their ability. And if that means even like persuading one of their employees well i don't know i mean nancy does talk a big game about how she's ethical and she doesn't like somebody that's a snake or whatever um you bring up a good point but who knows dan we need to still have that connection because yeah it's the drama right so this is a meeting with amanda billy and allison now it's funny now that billy's on the scene that like He's only been there one day, guys, but no training. And now he's like the head copywriter of like a major account. Yeah. And he wouldn't be involved in like the. He's a senior copywriter, Dan. He's going to be writing copy for the actual. Right. But it's like, just write the copy. We'll create the, we'll create the, the, the pitch platform. Well. Anyway, it's only those three in the conference room and they start strategizing about how they're going to create this ad campaign. campaign. Yeah. 
And Allison immediately is just like, well, Escapade kind of sucks, so let's do it like this. <laughs> and Billy's like, excuse me? Well, she says that Escapade is very generic. It's a generic publication. They have a very hard time finding their own voice, and she thinks that that's going to be challenging. Now, Billy takes this as a personal affront to him, and then he starts likening everything that Allison is saying to their actual relationship. Right. So he he's like, oh, you never told me that. Maybe if you were honest about how you truly felt, we'd all be in a better boat here, wouldn't and Am- we? Amanda is just like getting a hard on right now. Like, <laughs> what? They're fighting? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, Let me put another, another piece of wood on this fire. And she takes Allison's side for a minute and like, hey, I've known Allison to, to, to be a straight shooter at work, Billy. What even you got if, to say about that? Even if her opinions are not popular, she does not shy away from giving them. And you know what? I agree with Allison on this. And then Billy's like, yeah, that's the problem. She only cares about work. And that's why our relationship is dead. And you killed it, Allison. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. And uh, Amanda knew. She fucking knew that th- how this was going to go down like this. And she just wanted front row seats to the meltdown. She oh, just sure. wanted tickets, you know? Sure. So Amanda says, you know, I think I'm going to leave you two to talk this out, hash it out amongst the two of you. We can jump back in on this little planning conversation later. She goes to leave the room, but not before she takes care to either patch in, like put the phone line on speakerphone that yeah. can go directly to her office. She hit him with the, the intercom mic. Yeah, I guess it's like an intercom. I don't know like how the inner workings of this phone system, but apparently one button gets you all of the audio that's coming from the conference room patched into her personal phone line. If I could do this at my work, I would. <laughs> but that's all I would do. That's all I would do. You would do. like reprimand people and like leave the room and go into your office and be like, what are they saying? Yeah, I'd pop a bowl of popcorn and just get going. But so she, yeah, she hits the intercom, goes to her office, and it immediately looks like she's getting high off of this. She loves it. She like, she's into it. She feeds off of it. She That's how she gets her strength. So. And why, why does she want to hear this? Because she's a psychopath, Dan. That's why. She likes to get dirt on anybody that she can because she knows she can use it down the road. She knows she can manipulate people if she has information on them. Yeah. And she's always thinking a few steps ahead. And she's miserable. And misery loves company. Yeah. Because she's broken up with Jake. She's a bitch. So anyway, she's listening to them and Allison says, Billy, I don't know what to do. I just feel like this isn't going to work. And then Billy's like, you know what? You're right. This is over. I'm going to move out of the apartment. She says she's never stopped loving him. Oh, go. Please proceed. Yeah. She was like, she she said, I've never stopped loving you. And, And Billy, he's just like, well, it's clearly not working. Yeah, he's like, I'm done. Like, I can't. I can't be here for you and your family anymore. I've given you too much time. I really do need to focus on myself and it's not going to involve you. And then he says, you're at the apartment first, so I'll move out. (laughs) And really, Allison does not put up a fight. 
you can tell that she, internally she probably wants to do anything she can to save the relationship. But I'm sure that she understands too that this hasn't been a pleasure cruise for Billy. Yeah. They, I mean, while I can't begrudge her for all of her decisions, I mean, she's been through a lot in the past like week. This has only been like a week to two weeks, guys. Yeah. There's not a lot of time that has elapsed from their wedding day to right now. So I think she just has to let him go. You know, the old adage, if you love something, let them go. Yeah. And if they come back, they were always yours. But if they don't, it was never meant to be. She's like, yeah, it's probably for the best. I brought a lot of bleeding dolls back from home. <laughs> I've got to them play. in your room. And you know what, Dan? That really, that's really funny because you know how she has that really creepy col- like doll collection? Yeah. Do you think that has anything to do with her childhood? Oh, yeah. I th- yeah, it has everything to do with it. Yeah. She's, she's in an arrested state of development. We're now back at Michael's beach house where he and Jane are seated on the back patio. And Michael's just enamored with Jane. He cannot get over the fact that he was once married to this beautiful woman. He is feeling Jane right now. Yeah. And I would be too. So they're seated really close to one another and he confides in Jane and says, you know, for the first time, I feel like I finally have a sense of myself. I I just, I don't know how I could have lost you. I just feel so at ease and at home with you. And she says, well, Michael, you really did hurt me. And he's like, God, I don't know what I could have done to you. I wish I could repay you. I wish there's some way I can make it up to you for all of the pain that I've cost you. And he asks her, if you don't remember the past, does it still count? (laughs) And uh, Jane's like, yeah, Uh, that shit counts, brother. Yes, it does count. So Jane says, well, actually, Michael, there is something you can do to make it up to me. (laughs) But that is that is like that is so such a brilliant line because it is core Michael Mancini thinking. Like, in in his most purest form, he is still trying to figure out a way to weasel in, to like weasel into something he doesn't even remember. Yeah, I but mean, his 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 gut instinct is like, how do I get out of this? Yeah, that is just the core of who he is. That's his personality makeup. Yeah, make the past be erased. Oh, yeah. So he. Then Jane tells him, well, actually, before the accident, you are going to sign these papers. We actually own a design firm together. Oh, great. Oh, that's wonderful. And if you sign the papers, we're actually going to be selling a stake of the company to a very large department store. That sounds wonderful. And it's going to be a very lucrative deal for everybody. So uh, if you could please just sign your name right here. Great, Jane. Where's the pen? Sure will. And he starts signing away. Meanwhile, Matt is like ransacking the place. Yeah, trying to find clues. He is now, like you said, private eye. But in, in looking for clues, he's literally just opening a drawer fully and shutting it. <laughs> <laughs> Did that like t- five times. Just like, bud, you got What do you think you're going to find? You need to extend your search. But what he does, Dan, is he goes into the bathroom and he sees that there are two like wig forms, one of which has an auburn colored 
wig that looks very much like Kimberly's hair. Big old clue. Now we jump back to outside on the patio, and Michael is... They got some weird shit going on when they were married. Because Michael, like, (laughs) he gets this, like, memory uh, surge, and he's like, ticklish eyelids. And she's like, Uh, what? "What?" (laughs) And he's like, I remember you had ticklish eyelids, and I would kiss them. And he's like, like this. And then she starts fucking laughing. Like, oh! And he's all like kissing her eyelids. And she even says before this too, Dan, I feel like I'm talking to the man I actually married. Yeah. Like and she's again, feeling I'm, it too. And we killing these predictions. Cause I said, I was like, I think that Jane is going to try to reshape Michael into the man. She wants love. Now, of course, this is a perfect opportunity for Kimberly to come home, which she does mid Eyelid kissing. Oh, yeah. She's like, uh, excuse me. Uh, what the fuck is going on? Didn't I expressly tell you not to come back as Michael, as, uh, sorry, as Matt comes out of the house done ransacking the place? <laughs> and she's like, get the hell out of here. This two faced bitch is probably in cahoots with her sister. Right. So, of course, now Michael doesn't know who to believe. And she's like, you've got to go. So she follows them out and she tells Jane, the next time you step foot on my property, I'm going to serve you with the search. I'm going to serve you with the a restraining order. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's interesting to see Kimberly in such like she's getting it from all angles. And she's in sort of a weakened state because people are on her. Her 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 defenses are are low, you know? And, and she's sort of scrambling. Yeah, and Jane actually hits her with this little yeah. zinger where she says, Kimberly, you must really not have made an, imp- an impression on Michael because all he can remember is how much he loved me. Bye, bitch. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> and that, yeah, it stings her hard, man. Now we're back to the fucking boat life. God, I hate the boat life. Guys, just fucking string dynamite to this thing and please it's blow so it the fuck boring. up it sucks like jake i like pray every scene that jake just throws Brittany in the ocean <laughs> get off my boat bitch. Brittany's doing her chores around the deck and like she's cleaning and uh how, how long has she been on this boat God, days too long days and, and jake comes home and he's like <laughs> Okay, Brittany, it ends here tonight. This is it. Like, I appreciate everything you've done. Thank you very much for cleaning. Thank you for having sex with me. He's like, I'm staying <laughs> at my apartment tonight. But like, we're this is over. You need to leave. And then, of course, she like goes in on the, but you don't know what my husband's going to do to me. He'll get me, Jake. And Jake's like, okay, look, I don't know. Like, he says, I don't know you. <laughs> he says, I can't turn my boat into a halfway house for unhappy wives on the run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, couldn't have said it better, my friend. Yeah, it's Thank very you, true. And then she tries to like get him like with other tactics of like, and then if you do this, you're really afraid of intimacy, aren't you? It's like, lady, girl, you got to beat like, it. It's not going to work. Just beat it. It's been real nice knowing you, but you got to go. Let's head over to Jane's. She's having dinner with 
with Chris. With the retailer. Chris the retailer. And she, again, man, she's looking fresh to death. So good, Jane. Beautiful. Yeah, and Jane was recounting her her interaction with Michael. They're very happy that they've gotten the paper signed. And he, like, jokes with her and it's like, oh, you're so devious. And, like, how how dare you go over there and, like, take advantage of the sick man. And they're kind of having a laugh about it. And then Jane acknowledges, you know, it's funny. It seems like he lost his mean streak, streak along with his memory. I do kind of feel bad about taking advantage of him because he probably wouldn't have wanted to sign those papers if he was in his right mind. But then the retailer does make a really good point saying, Jane, he really does not deserve to own your company anyway. The way that he did acquire his share in the company was very shady. So you kind of like got him back. But doesn't he say like, you're going to make him money anyway? He does. And she prop. well, we'll see if she does, if that does happen. Yeah. Uh, but during this conversation, there's a, f- the phone rings and Jane goes and answers it. And it's, it's a, it's a call from the nut house. What, what we can gather. And basically there's a deal in place where if Sydney confesses to the crime, then she'll get released from the nut house and placed on work release, but has to be to Jane's <laughs> to but Jane's work. She has to work at Jane Mancini Designs. Right, that's it. So those are the conditions of the plea deal. Yeah. Um. So that happens. Okay. So and we're it doesn't back. make any fucking sense. We're back at boat life. No. And, and I think this is the next day. So Brittany stayed on the boat again, and. Freaking Palmer boards the boat. And I don't understand her relationship with Palmer because this whole time there's been these weird like sexual tension between them. Like, are y'all together? I don't know. We learned that he paid her $50,000 up front to pull this little scheme. To bang old Jakey Poo. And okay, this was so... What's the scheme? (laughs) We don't even know. So far she's just fucked up. And lived on his boat. <laughs> That's easy fucking money. I'll do that. <laughs> it was fifty thousand dollars to have sex with that but guy. You, sl- you fuck this attractive man on his boat. Get him to like you. <laughs> All right. Sounds good to me. So they're like walking through the boat, and Brittany is is really hesitant about this. She's like, Palmer, Jake's gonna be back any minute. Why are we on this boat? And then- <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> okay. Palmer goes down to like the bedroom area and then he like, oh, yeah. signals to the bed and he like looks at Brittany and goes, is that where you did it? Is that it? Is that where you and Jake had your fun? And then Brittany <laughs> says, and, the, and then he's like, did you like it? Was he good? And then Brittany and says, jerking off. <laughs> and Brittany says, I don't know, Palmer. Why don't you ask your daughter? Ooh. <laughs> Sick And Palmer's bird. like, mm, touche. <laughs> it's like, what kind of web are you spinning, Palmer Woodward? <laughs> like, he like gets off on like, like, man, can you try to come after me too, Palmer? Just send hot chicks my way? The fuck? Okay. Anyway, um, we are 
with Joe. And she's shooting a porno. Yeah, what? <laughs> what was this? There's two people hooking up in a bed. Like, really making it, like, going at it. And she's getting photos. She's Joe's, up on a ladder. Joe's holding a camera the size of a VCR. She's like a velveteen mock turtleneck, short sleeves, uh, overalls and like again. shiny gray satin thing yeah it's like i maybe it was satin maybe not velveteen and as she's shooting the freaking carters walk in she's like the how the heck did they know that she was working there because they're dead it's a ghost (laughs) how did they get access in they just appear (laughs) they really do they just show up like oh fuck you're here what the hell are you guys doing here and in the same clothes (laughs) they just look a little more transparent (laughs) oh man (laughs) they're ghosts dude (laughs) i don't know how they got in there it's like a closed set how did they know and who lets them in? So Joe's like, okay, everybody, let's take five. So she starts talking to Reed's parents. And I don't know why they showed up, only to say, Joe, it was nice to see you. We're leaving now. And we want to be involved. Yeah. Just like hammer it in again. And she's like, okay, have a nice trip. And didn't they have a Jesus moment too? Yeah, they talk about like... They were like, God bless you. Yeah, they <laughs> say that kind of crap a lot. Um, and, and they're just... Yeah, they just say, you take good care of our baby. Dear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Ree, ree, yeah, ree, that, ree. And that's unsettling. We see that on Joe's face. She d- did not like that. Take care of our baby. Ugh, yuck. That, yeah, that was some creepy shit right there. And then again, they just disappear. Gone. It's like the crow. So now we got Sydney and Jane at the Looney Bin. And Jane's trying to explain to Sydney the 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 terms of this amazing deal. Well, first she's <laughs> like, How are you liking it here? And Sydney says, Oh, I love this place, Jane. It's like summer camp with electroshock therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. God, I love Sydney. It's great so Sydney's like i'm not gonna plead guilty to something i did not do i did not do this jane and jane's like but look if you confess you get to leave and you get to work with me and sydney's just like no no fucking way i didn't do it and no one's gonna make us make me say that i did and then we cut away to the hospital kimberly like kimberly's walking down the hallway and it looks like she looks like levin now like Always has like a whole like girl crew with her. And did you hear she's talking shit about somebody like another doctor? Yeah. She was like, oh, God, his breath is so bad. They don't even need anesthesia. (laughs) Like yucking it up, just being a freaking jerk. And then Matt, he walks up behind her. He's like, oh, Kimberly, do do you have a sec? And she's just like, no, I don't have a sec. Why don't you bug off? And he's like, no, no, no. I, I think... I think I need to talk to you. Yeah. I, I think you ran into Michael. And I think you're trying to pin it on Sydney this whole time. And then 
Kimberly says, that's ridiculous, Matt. The person that ran over Michael had short blonde hair. How could I fit all of this luxurious hair under a short blonde wig? Like this. <laughs> and then he jacks the wig off Freaking of her head. Freaking Matt goes wig snatching. Oh, boy. Whoa! Leave that it to Matt. That was the best part of the episode. The wig is snatched. And then, of course, Kimberly looks like her little baby bird self. Like yeah. her little... When is her hair going to grow back? It's been a minute. It's been, yeah, it's, it's grown been back very slow. like a couple, like it's been a while. She's styling, dude, she looks like, what's her name from the Eurythmics? Annie Lennox? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haircut's fine. And so That's she, a fine haircut. She's totally embarrassed. And instead of just putting her wig back on, she then takes it and runs through the halls of the hospital, yeah, grasping it, only to draw more attention to herself. Yep. And Matt is like vindicated. Like, yes, bitch. He's like, yeah, I got her. So let's let's go back to the nut house. Sydney's lying asleep in her bed, and oh, this orderly rolls up. Oh, guys, this was really genuinely scary. This guy, uh, this orderly, is played by Vincent Schiavelli, and I recognize him. Babe, is he in like the Devil's Rejects and like all the Rob Zombie movies? No, the clown guy. No, he looked like yeah, him. Yeah, he remind. Yeah, but he he's also like plays like creepy roles. He was in Batman Returns. He was the organ grinder. Oh yeah, okay. And he was in Ghost. He's in Man on the Moon. Was he, was he X Files? One of the the shooters in Ghost. I don't know. I think it was a ghost in Ghost. Oh. But he, I mean, he's had a really, really good career, but he plays this sort of like, like creepy, ugly, gross weird, dude. Like janitors. Yeah. Um. So he is like, poor Sydney's laying in her bed. She's in a room filled with other women in their beds. I mean, it's like this huge room with probably like 20 beds in it. It's like an orphanage. Yeah, exactly. And he comes up and he's like, hi, Sydney. I'm going to take extra special care of you. <laughs> I'm going to make you my little girlfriend. And he starts, he starts like, smooching on her. Like trying to touch her and kiss her. And she's obviously repulsed. Like, like get, get off of me. fuck off of me, dude. And like we cut away from that scene and I'm like, Jenny, is that enough? To plead guilty, <laughs> to to confess. I mean, I probably, and he even tells her like, "I'm gonna leave you alone tonight, but just you wait. The next time I see you, I'm not gonna let you off this easy." So, really insinuating that he's gonna straight up rape her. Yeah, this is gonna be rape sesh. Yikes! That's very scary. Yeah. And the uh, the other thing, and I know that this is something that you talk about too, Dan. That like, you're very scared of is like. What happens if everybody around you tells you that you're crazy and you know you're not? And mm. then you try to say, I'm not crazy, but by you telling everybody you're not crazy, it just makes you seem crazier. Yeah, and then you start to actually go crazy. So this is like one of those instances that she could go and complain to somebody, but who's going to believe her? They're going to say, you're crazy. You're making this yeah. up. Ooh, Jim, the orderly? No oh, way. The creepy old weird guy is totally harmless. Been working here for years. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think you've got to do what you have to do for self-preservation. And if pleading guilty to trying to run someone over with a car gets you out of that place, sometimes you just got to gotta take the hit. I guess so, but that shit's on your record forever. Let's go to the hospital. 
Matt's on the phone with Jane. Um, and Matt is talking. He's like, Jane, you got to get Sydney out of there. She didn't do it. I know she didn't do it because Kimberly is wearing a wig. And Jane's just like, look, Matt, it's too late, bro. She, she confessed. She pleaded guilty. She's out. She's actually going to come over to my house to live and work at Jane Mancini Designs. And you know what? I I mean, there's no correlation for me that Kimberly's wearing a wig that could that like anybody could have put a blonde wig on. Yeah. This whole reasoning of like it couldn't have been Kimberly because she has long hair. It's like that's anybody how, could wear a wig. That's what wigs do. Yeah. They change your hair. <laughs> so I have, uh, I have a note that Matt looks way better. Remember, we always used to be like, Matt doesn't look good. Because Matt always had flesh-colored lips. Yeah. <laughs> he always looked like pale and gross. He looks way better, less sickly and all white, you know? like. Well, you know actually... what? I think like season three, all of the characters look better. Yeah, is that Except when they started Amanda like... Amanda always has like JBF hair all the time. Yeah, brittle. And it's just like looks like cotton candy disarray all the time. Maybe that's when they're like, all right, start putting some money towards the way these people look. Hair, makeup, costumes. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. Everybody does look markedly better. So Matt gets off the phone with Jane, just like, oh fuck, it's a lost cause. And then Kimberly says to Matt, like, hey, um, you better watch out. Did you hear about that nurse who accidentally got pricked with an infected needle? The hospital can be a dangerous place, Matt. Better watch your step. Ooh. And really, the way that Marsha Cross delivers these lines, she's so biting. She scary. is so scary. I mean, really, she is awesome at playing like a deranged psycho. Mm-hmm. She's great. That's why I want to watch Desperate Housewives. She's like, she's getting me. Well, let's finish up melrose place she's getting we got a couple more years dan <laughs> and then we can talk about other crazy TV we could, shows. We could, we'll talk about two weeks oh my god <laughs> just to speed it up oh dan i couldn't i couldn't um now we head over to D D. amanda she finds a rental application in the printers at work <laughs> and you know this is alarming on a few levels one billy you're at work you should not be using the printer for your like house Personal hunting. Personal things. Yeah, yeah, this is work. So Amanda's like, hey, what's this? I saw this in the printers. And um, he's Billy's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm moving out. And Amanda's just like, no, don't move out. He's like, why? Because you want me to uh, keep a relationship with Allison? No, I would never want you to live with Allison. Turns out I have a vacant apartment. And this could be Sydney's apartment. Yeah, because remember, because yeah. we were both like, "What? How is she getting these vacant apartments?" But right. after Sydney got arrested, Sydney didn't have much stuff, and now she has to live with Jane, and she has even less stuff because that fat guy broke it all. <laughs> Lauren's henchman <laughs> that came in with her. the madam and broke her freaking what her is poster it? therapy poster <laughs> therapy <laughs> <know>. yeah therapy. <laughs> And her, her vase. Yeah. So, yeah, Billy's moving into SIDS. And Allison hears this and is just like, 
Seriously, fuck my life. Yeah, it's like Amanda just continues <laughs> to be like, how can I make Allison's life hell? Dude, no wonder oh, she starts boozing. Make her work right next door to her, <laughs> her ex, then actually make him still live in the same apartment building as her. Oh, God. And that could have been her opportunity to get freaking Billy out of the show and out of the Yeah, swan <laughs> song. Play the, play the but credit. Nope, nope, Amanda... Yeah, bring him back in. Back to the loony bin. Jane is picking up Sydney because she confessed. That was enough. The orderly trying to smooch on her was enough. And to be honest, I just thought of this. Sydney has, she's been a prostitute before. Like, who cares? She could have, like, figured out a way to, like, hey, big guy. You oh wanna, my God, Dan! I really this? hope you don't continue saying like your. I'm just saying. I'm here. just saying she could have been like, "Give me the keys. Let me out of here," you know, and like, like, kind of swindled him, you know. I thought you were saying because she's a prostitute, she should just sleep with him. No, I'm saying because she was a prostitute, she knows how to like navigate those sort of situations because she's done so in the past. Dan, I don't. No, I mean, you have like just the brute strength of like a crazy, weird, creepy guy. I'm just like, she could have just worded some shit like, I want you to wait for it. And then be like, wait over here and take your keys off and then get the keys and like get out of there. I don't know. Just something they could have done. Well, maybe. Um, but I'm glad that she didn't have to navigate that. Like this whole like sexual assault waters, like I just want to get out of them. Like, Get like let's. Well, they pumped her full of pills, and she's all like woozy. Right, and of course Jane goes to pick up Sydney with the retailer, and Sydney walks out of the door to be released to Jane, and she's like, "Oh, Jane, you always find the most wonderful men. They're so nice." And then the retailer and Sydney shake hands, and then like Sydney's like just gazing into his eyes and he's like oh hi Sydney nice to meet you and it's just it's just too long like this moment's too long and like at that like right then it's like they're totally gonna have sex we know what that means another one bites the dust (laughs) yeah uh so yeah Sydney's on her p's and q's apparently medication makes you just very polite as well because she's just super polite, and yeah, Sydney meets the new boo, and they're out of there. Now, Amanda, we go to Amanda's house, her apartment. She's reading, did you get the cover? Mystique. Yep, Mystique magazine, and she gets a knock at the old door, so she turns down her her, her compact disc player. Yes, she does. Probably, and uh, she opens the door. And... We well first she says who is it, Amanda, and it's a very familiar voice. And she goes, Daddy, <laughs> and then she opens the door. We reveal it's Palmer, and it's Palmer. So last scene of the episode, Allison and Joe are out to dinner. Are they at Shooters? Yeah, Doy, and they're like having fun. And Allison is kind of blowing off some steam. She's telling Joe what happened, and Joe's really. 
Joe's trying to put a positive spin on everything. And then a very attractive man comes over to Joe and says, are you Joe Reynolds? And she's like, depends on who's asking. And he's like, I have something for you. And she's like, all right, well, what do you got? And he's like, sign here and I'll give it to you. So she does. And this is something my dad told me a long time ago. If anybody that you don't know sees you and says, are you Jenny Hill or like whatever your name is, you don't confirm or deny. You just go, why? Why are you asking? You don't have to say that who you are because nine times out of 10, it's somebody that might be trying to serve you papers. You getting papes. And that's exactly (laughs) what this is. And poor Joe, she had no idea this was coming. It's very... Do you remember that show with Rob McEldry? Oh my God! (laughs) Yeah! It was on, sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves, like away from the subject, but there was this show on like True TV. Like it was like crime, like crime TV. It was True true TV. It was a reality show that was like 100% fake. What was it called? I don't know. This guy, Rod, Ron McEldry. Ron McEldry. Would go and he would serve people papers and every person would like throw shit at him. Yeah, it was like a reality show about people that serve papers or like parking it, meter people it was, it was that three tickets it was rob McElgy who served papers and it was lizard lick towing oh yeah, yeah. and it was the parking meter person yeah and then i think lizard lick got their own show oh which a lot that. of shitty tv yeah, guys a lot back in the day it's uh we still do but he yeah and like any he would serve papers to like a, a kitchen or like a restaurant and then like everyone in the restaurant would start like throwing food at him <laughs> And he'd be like, y'all need some manners. What are you doing? <laughs> and then he'd drive away. Well, in this instance, the very attractive guy that served these papers didn't get a lot of pushback. He hands Joe the envelope, walks away. Joe opens it, and to her dismay, she sees that the Carters are suing her for custody of her unborn baby. <gasps> Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Roll those credits. Roll the credits. Let's recap this mofo. Sydney takes a plea deal and will now be living at Jane's house and working for her. (laughs) (laughs) Allison is back to work and single as hell. Michael signs the papers and begins to remember Jane. Jake dumps Brittany. Finally. And Billy is moving out. Kimberly is going to try to move Michael away from everyone. Matt tells Kimberly his suspicions and snatches her wig. Palmer shows up at Amanda's door. Reed's parents are suing for custody of Joe's baby. Oh, shit. That's all I got. Me too. 90s moments. Matt's couch, man. Did you see couch. his couch no. when he went to pick up the phone when when Jane, sorry, when Sydney was calling from the loony bin? His, his couch. couch is like a like a box of crayons threw up. Like, like a Bill Cosby sweater. I mean, it's bad. It's just <laughs> primary colors and like they're just like splattered. Mm. I got the bed sheets and pillowcases on the pretty lady. Oh. When Jake was doing it to Brittany. The whole concept that you're not listed. I mean, ba- like I, I definitely remember having a phone book and the yellow pages and the white pages. Nowadays, you can't get anybody's phone number. That's what I, why I was Googling you earlier. 
to see if I could get your phone number by Googling you. The fact that there used to be a book out there that you could just pull out for your city and say, oh, I want to look up this person's phone number and address. That is freaky days is over. Yeah. We would, we, we, and you had to pay to be unlisted. Yeah. My, my, my mom would always pay to be unlisted. But that's got, like, that's a completely shift, like a complete shift in eras and stuff in the 90s. Like, now you couldn't be like, who's that guy that, like, runs the bike shop in my town? Let me look him up and find out what his phone number and address is. Yeah. You call, like, all the... It's weird. All the Whitakers in the area. Yeah. Um, I have Sydney making a phone call on a pay phone and it only being 25 cents. And what you brought up earlier today that she had to know Matt's phone number by heart. Right. Yeah. The lace collar on Reed's mom's dress. And I seem to remember that my mom had these like detachable collars that you could put on dresses. Like they're like really. Like a dicky. Kind of like a dicky, but it was a collar. Like so a reverse dicky. Yeah. So you would like actually put them on your dresses to like dress them up, like jazz them up a little bit. Oh, put this God. on your dress. Because I like back in like the late 80s, early 90s, I seem to remember those like, like pilgrim looking like that. That so was all gross. The, very Victorian looking, like with the lacy collars and stuff. Yikes. Uh, so at some point at D&D, Amanda is wearing that like big teethy uh like banana clip. banana clip yeah scrunchy i don't know what you call it thing <laughs> um jane's beaded choker and literally every costume that jane was wearing back in the 90s this whole concept of wearing like strappy dresses or shirts with shirts underneath yeah. like that was a thing and she had a lot of that going on um, Matt, Matt's got a striped polo shirt that's just like uber 90s. Yeah. I have listening to music on a stereo, like having like an actual stereo in your home and listening to that stereo and reading a magazine to pass the time. Mm. That's good. Solid. Uh, Jenny, all of these Melrose Place episodes whether crazy or, or, or normal, have a lesson. What is yours? What I learned from this episode is secure your wig. <laughs> when you're going to wear a wig, there are ways that you can have it on your head where Lock it's it not. Down. I'm telling you, like you could use spirit gum. I'm sure there's clips. I'm sure there are measures you can take to make sure that wig is intact and securely Put on your head. Rubber cement. I mean, we saw how Matt just snatched it right off of her head. If the she, wind could have taken the, that. If she tripped and fell, that wig is going. If she put her her windows down in her car, see you later, wig. I mean, that it was just haphazardly put on her head. So that's something that we can all take away from this. If you're wearing a wig, make sure it's on your head very securely. That's good advice. That's Thanks. a good lesson. Yeah. Uh, here's mine. It's a little intricate. Get your family to commit you to an insane asylum. Then confess to crimes you didn't commit. Because afterwards, you get to not go to jail. Then leave the nut house. And you get a new career working with your sister. Hmm. And you get to live rent free. 
Yeah. You get to oh, you also get to live with your sister too. Everything you didn't everything you didn't have before that you desperately wanted will be yours. Hey. Maybe it's a good good route to take. Great route. Yeah. Such a great route. Now it's time for Bitch of the Week. I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 bitch. I'm a boss ass bitch. All right, last bitch, week, bitch, bitch, Jenny, bitch. you nominated Mrs. Parker for Bitch of the Week. I nominated Kimberly. And surprisingly, Twitter, with 56% of the vote, Kimberly outbeat Miss Parker. Whoa. Five to four there. Um, Facebook, though, however, was a different story. Uh, Mrs. Parker versus Kimberly, 15 to 1. Oh. For Mrs. Parker, which gives us a final of 19 to 6 for Mrs. Parker. Jenny, you've won Bitch of the Week. And Woo! more importantly, a guest star has done back to back Bitch of the Week for the Hard first to time. Do. Hard to do. Hard to do for a guest star. Yeah. So let's hear what you all had to say about. Last week's Bitch of the Week. Viv agrees with me. Mrs. Parker is the bitch. And she basically says for all of the reasons that she explained last week, you um, wishing that your daughters were never born. That's one nasty bitch. And she's a pathetic excuse for a mother. <laughs> um, Donald said, definitely Mrs. Parker for Bitch of the Week. Donald said that the scene between Allison and Meredith and the mother is just so heartbreaking and horrible and that he can't believe that what she says to them and what Mr. Parker said was so strange and bizarre. And it was really hard to watch a second time around. I have to agree, Donald. It was so freaking weird. But he agrees that the Parkers are the bitch of the week. Absolutely. Zach says, I'm surprised ne neither of you chose Amanda. I guess you're not as critical of her when it's Billy. She's fucking over. <laughs> Maybe we might have some kind of like prejudice against, um, yeah, against people like we're we're with them when they're doing something, Billy. Uh, Sherry says that she is with me, voting for Mrs. Parker for Bitch of the Week. What kind of a mother stands by her molesting, creepy husband who traumatized her own daughters, and now she let Allison and Meredith's father get away with it, even though she knew that her husband was molesting and abusing her daughters? That is messed up. Thank you. She says, kudos to me, Jenny. What a bitch. Kevin says, this week I select Miss Parker. I didn't vote for her last week because I just had to take a dig at Sea Lady Brittany. <laughs> There's not much else to say here. Miss Parker sucks. I will give the show props for casting an actress who does resemble Courtney Thorne Smith so much. From the eyes down to the season two helmet hair. Yeah. P.S. Isn't it great to see Allison's hair finally grow out of that season-long nightmare? <laughs> so bad. And you know what's funny? I forgot. The only person who voted for Kimberly was me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you don't vote for yourself, who will? All right. Well, um, let's get on to this week's. So, who you got this week, champion? Well, this week, it's a... It's a double team, guys. It's two people. And it's the Carters. It's Reed's parents. Okay. 
Firstly, let's talk about how they found Joe's information. The way that they know Joe is a really awful connection. She killed their son, but only after their son basically held her hostage, locked her in a compartment, and Dan will remind you what happened in that compartment that she was locked in. She peed and pooped (laughs) herself. (laughs) And put her through hell. She had no choice but to kill Reed. And here they are to be like, sorry, we would have called, but we couldn't find your number. You had her address. You couldn't send her a letter. That may have been a way better way to broach this subject as opposed to showing up on her doorstep. Then, after you learn that there's a possibility that she could be pregnant, you start throwing around all this religious stuff. Oh, praise Jesus. God bless you. Oh, we've prayed about everything. Oh, we're just such good Christians. We're here to do the right thing. We raised Reed in a great home, and it's not our fault that he ended up this way. We try not to blame ourselves. Joe, you're such a wonderful person. And then... Finding out where she works and then just showing up unannounced there. If showing up at her home wasn't weird enough, showing up at her work without giving her prior, like like telling her beforehand they were going to come, that is a huge intrusion of your privacy. And then, of course, icing on the cake, they sue her for custody of her baby. So I guess the big thing for me that really puts them head and shoulder bitches above everybody else is that they hide behind this false pretenses that they are these religious do-gooders, that they are these good Christians and all they want to do is turn their grief into happiness. And you're going to do that by ripping away a baby from their mother? How in the world does that make sense? What makes you think that you are fit to raise a child after, Dan, you said it, after what they did with Reed caused him to turn out (laughs) to be how he turned out? How do they even have a leg to stand on in court to say, well, the first kid we had, we basically turned into a drug dealing maniac that tried to hold this woman like kidnapped and made her pee and poop herself (laughs) and we deserve a second shot at this kid that's totally like we have no rights to this kid i mean i just think that is the bitchiest thing you could ever do to somebody trying to take their child away from them so there you go guys the carters bitch of the week it's messed up man my bitch of the week is amanda woodward what Here's why she deliberately fucks with Allison's life. She she seeks out what's happening in Allison's life and decides, how can I fuck it up more? I know. Let's get Billy in here while she's away dealing with, oh, her being molested as a child. And let's hire him. You know what? Yes. He said yes. He'll work for D&D. Great. Let's put his desk right next to Allison's too. So that when she comes in, when she comes in, she's gonna have to work with him. That'll be weird. Then you know what we do? Let's talk shit about let's let's give her advice to pursue this whole sexual assault thing. And then when she comes back, 
let's not listen to what she has to say. Let's just let's just let's just get her right into work. Tell her that's a whole that's a shrink thing to deal with. Oh, I'm sure your shrink will love to hear about that. Yeah, that's fucked up. Then the actions. To be a bitch, you need to do actions. So here's her action. She sets up this meeting with the two of them, the three of them, Billy, Allison, and herself, and she watches this whole thing just explode, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to go excuse myself. I have a much nicer chair that I can sit in while I hit speakerphone and listen to y'all motherfuckers hash this out. (laughs) I'm going to be back in a little. And then... Not only does she listen to this conversation, which it was a really bitchy thing to do, she like comes when they're oh having God. this thing. She gets off on it. She loves being a bitch so much that she's sexually aroused by hearing these people spill their guts to each other. Then it's over. They've broken up. Hooray, Al- Al- Amanda, you've won. Allison is totally fucked and down on her luck. And her her boyfriend is going to move away. No, 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 no. You know why? Because I'm a huge bitch. And I am going to actually give Billy another place to live that's in the direct vicinity of where Allison lives. So not only will Allison have to work with her ex-boyfriend, she'll have to live around him too. This is going to be great. What a fucking bitch. Well, guys, it's up to you. You tell us your thoughts, your feelings, Twitter and Facebook. What do you think? Is it Amanda Woodward or is it the Carters or is it somebody we didn't mention? Let us know. The title of this episode is In-Laws and Outlaws. We can do way better. Really? I thought In-Laws and Outlaws was pretty good. I don't think it's I think it's one of their best titles to date. Who's the outlaw? Palmer? Yeah. And the in-law? And Brittany? And the in-law? Are the par- are the Carters? Not technically. They're just grandparents. Okay. So there's no in-laws. All right, Dan. So you this do better. Sucks. Tell Tell us. What is your rename? All right. Y'all, this is going to be one of my best ones. Oh, God. Here we go. My rename is Space Invaders. You want to know why? Yes, please explain. All right. Matt invades Kimberly's space by taking her wig off. The orderly invades Sydney's space by trying to do smoochy smoochy on her. Billy invades Allison's workspace. And Brittany invades Jake's belly button space. And then Sydney is going to invade Jane's space. And the Carters are invading Joe's womb space. <laughs> Space Invaders. <laughs> Space Invaders. I like it. It's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. What's yours? I'm going with Wigging Out. <laughs> and I think there are. Um, this can be used on many different levels. We're wigging out, man. We have the literal <laughs> the literal um, scene of Matt just pulling that wig off of Kimberly's head. And then, of course, poor Miss Sydney being locked into the loony bin. Mm-hmm. She's wigging out over that. And then the freaking Carters are wigging out over that baby. <laughs> So, Wigging Out and Space Invaders. Good if, stuff. If you have renames, tell us, too. Yeah. Let us know. Tell us, too. Okay. Predictions. How's it going down? What's going to happen? 
Okay, I think Michael is definitely developing feelings for Jane, and I think he may even try to pursue her. I think that the retailer and Sydney will definitely hook up. And now I'm starting to think that this whole plan with like the retailer for like buying parts of the department store and everything, that might be a scam. He's trying to steal it. I don't know. I think that this may result in Jane not only losing her boyfriend, but losing her company. I kind of see that on the horizon. Um, I think that Billy and Amanda are going to strike up a little romance again. And I think that Allison is going to relapse into alcoholism. Oh, hell yeah. Mine are Sydney is definitely fucking Chris. Jane is definitely feeling Michael. Allison is definitely boozing soon. And hopefully that boat gets strapped to hell with dynamite and they blow that thing up. Please. Still cannot figure out what Palmer's plan is. I, I am this close to fast forwarding every time I see Pretty Lady on the thing. <laughs> I just, get I it out of here because I just want to know how does his diabolical plan work out? That's beyond Brittany just having sex with Jake multiple times. I don't know. I do not know. I can't even think about what it would be. I do know if there is someone you want plotting something diabolical against you, it's Palmer. Yeah, for he, sure. He'll get you laid. <laughs> <laughs> he will get you laid. Guys, you I, like I say every episode, you got to get in our Facebook group. Killing it's it in really, the Facebook really... group. There's so much good stuff happening in here. Like Zach, for instance, he pointed out a continuity error or maybe just a happy coincidence about how... Allison talks about her father and how he had all of these girlfriends and how she would pretend that he was one, how she was one of his girlfriends to get all of his affection and attention. Yeah. I mean, I do not think that the writers had like the forethought to like have this story arc go to where it is now when they Mm -hmm. were writing in season one. But wow, what They're a using way. Stuff. They're and pulling I, from stuff. I know Zach, both Zach and Kevin did talk about that and they did acknowledge, wow, that's really eerie to watch it back now knowing what happens. Mm-hmm. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. Uh, this, this scene has surfaced where uh, Michael is <laughs> farting or like no one knows <laughs> what exactly happened. We don't know happened, what it is. But it's definitely like a... And he's like, uh, I'm going to need some help. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mike, we've definitely talked about that in our episodes prior. But uh, it's just funny that that's making the rounds again. Um, yeah, there's just... And one thing that I neglected to mention last week, um, we were really curious about the whole I'm curious Melrose title. I am curious Melrose. Tiffany, Tiffany talked about the title. I am curious Melrose. Yes, Tiffany. She was able to shed some light. I guess back yeah. in the sixties, there, there was a weird. It's a Swedish film in the late sixties. It was supposed to be like very erotic and pushing the envelope, and um, I guess whenever you talk about smut, that that's a, a good work to reference yeah back in the day the movie got hit with a lawsuit for uh, obscenity and um that went all the way to the supreme court eric said about meredith he was thinking about meredith and her inexplicably huge house plus her being one of the few people in san francisco who knows how to use a gun 
it's clear that she's likely one of the deadliest drug cartel contract killers on that side of the coast. And you know what else I learned from Viv is that the actor that played Keith was married to the actress that played Meredith for like 10 years. What? Isn't that freaking awesome? <gasps> I mean, and when I saw that, I was like, what? That's Allison's you sister. You know how I feel about Keith. And I just wonder, that's probably how Tracy got the gig on the show. Cause he, Yeah, because he was on it first. Yeah. Dude, if they could bring back one character, I think we'd agree it should be Keith. Keith! I don't know what it is, Dan. <laughs> like, I guess I, I just hated him in the beginning. But when he went crazy and Keith hit his great. head on the TV. <laughs> and guys... uh, Lucky for you all, I asked the Lego Melrose Place uh, Instagram account to do to do the Keith scene where he hits his head on the you TV. You did, yeah, yeah. I was like, if you could do that, my wife would be so happy. Dan, is that an early? It is an early anniversary. I gift. love you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, yeah. guys. Well, so get in there, get in that group. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as always, at MelrosePod. And um, guys, I'm telling you now, check out that Patreon, too, because we have bonus episodes, extra content, and we got some really, really cool stuff in store. Yeah, we have some fun little bonus things that are coming out for our Patreon people. So if you are um, a Patreon supporter, be on the lookout for some new things coming out in the next week or two. Patreon.com slash MelrosePod. And we love getting reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you write us a review, we will read it on the show, bad or good, hopefully good. Um, we will do that. So hit us up. Our email is MelrosePod at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Say what's up. Tell us how you, how you fell in love with Melrose Place. We love hearing that stuff, too. Well, guys, we love smut. And as always, we love you. Bye-bye, Jane. Bye, Michael.